Hello there, welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. How are you? It is Tuesday the 26th of January. I'm recording this uh, from my home in Cheltenham. Should be exciting as well. Just going to review the uh, glory, the near glory of lowly Cheltenham Town Football Club, my local club, nearly getting the better of Manchester City. Looked like for 80 minutes at Wadden Road that they were going to achieve it in front of 5 million people watching on from TV. Going to review that with John Palmer, one of the lucky few local journalists, lifelong Cheltenham Town fan as well, one of the lucky few to have gotten into the stadium to watch it. And he was uh, getting very excited. He tells me about a sleepless night that followed as well. Thank you to you for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you to the sponsors as well, who had their banner uh, front and centre actually on the BBC. Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. The Bang Olufsen Cheltenham store housed in the courtyard, picturesque little spot in the heart of Cheltenham in Montpellier, but currently closed with the lockdown 3.0 or whatever number we're up to. But Jason Briggs and his team, very much still active, very much contactable. And uh, Jason Briggs was contacting me throughout the match the night, Cheltenham against Man City, texting me uh, pictures of uh, the sign behind Gary Lineker, the match of the day host or the BBC's host for the match, former England striker, of course. <laughs> Jason was very much uh, more interested in, in that backdrop, but good place for the Bang Nollison of Cheltenham banner. Get in touch with his team through Serene AV. They source other equipment, not just Bang Olufsen stuff as well. You, you could bespoke home entertainment system, whatever you're looking for, or just advice. Get in touch with B&O Cheltenham. They're on Twitter and Instagram as well. Thank you to Cytoplan, food-based supplements. They are not, not far from here, actually. They're in a place called Hanley Swan. As you approach the towering, picturesque hills of Malvern, in a, a nice little quaint village there, I suppose the Americans would call it. And they, uh, more importantly, uh, provide supplements that we've been taking as a family, the Drapers, for 20 years under the guidance of my father, Dr. Mark Draper, who is a GP doctor, but also micronutritionist, has lectured in nutrition, helped consult on some of the supplements we still pay. I should, should always add that as well. I know it sounds strange, but I think the fact that we pay for the supplements ourselves, albeit at a discount, shows our faith in them for 20 years. And if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, you may be interested at the moment with immunity on our minds, optimizing our immunity in the immune complete range. One, if you're a menstruating woman, two, if you're post-menstrual woman, or two, if you're a man. You don't need that iron in there. I think it's a crucial difference between immune complete one and two, but there's a whole raft of all the supplements you're after or would ever need at cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And you can get a 30% discount, I believe, on the initial purchase, 10% thereafter with the code DRAPER10R. Now, that's all capital letters, D-R-A-P-E-R, the numerals one zero, and then the capital letter R. Right, let's get on to John. Just a quick chat. I recorded this last night on Monday, the 25th of January, reflecting on that historic day for Cheltenham Town when they really scared one of the greatest managers in the world, Champions League winner on a couple of occasions with Barcelona, the great Pep Guardiola, now Manchester City boss, won the FA Cup with them 18 months ago. But it looked like for a while that uh, the Robins of Cheltenham were knocking them out with uh, 79 minutes gone, Cheltenham leading 1-0 through Alfie May's goal. Here's uh, the chat with John Palmer from yesterday. Thank you. John Palmer, welcome along. Have you slept since Saturday night yet? <laughs> uh, I slept very well on Sunday night. On, on Saturday night, I must admit, I, 
I watched the whole game back and went to sleep about four o'clock. I was absolutely wired. Wow, I bet. Was it, I mean, as a lifelong Cheltenham Town fan and someone who's, who's covered them for so long, it must have been, what, surreal? Given, I suppose, the pandemic as well, the fireworks, the lack of a crowd. It was, it was a wild night, wasn't it? I think surreal was the perfect choice of word. It was, it was astonishing at times. It was very sad at times when I thought about the amount of people who would have, you know, would have meant the world for them to be there. It was all sorts of different mm. feelings and emotions, but I just tried to get into my seat nice and early and just take it all in and just enjoy watching, you know, the, without doubt, the best team um, to play at Wadden Road since it was built in 1927. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to say that because Mark Halliwell sent us some big cup games, but I mean, a prime man city. I know it was a change lineup to a certain extent, but a team that won the Premier League and FA Cup just 18 months ago and uh, it's high class, wasn't it? And Pep Guardiola, it meant so much to him as well, didn't he? I mean, he was he was so irritated by Ben Tozer. He, he was <laughs> terrified of him. He was running down the touchline trying to get Tozer to come back and not and not you know not try and steal a yard. It was uh, it was amazing to see Pep being so animated. Yeah, I think Everton put out a pretty strong team in 2013. That was that was good. That was a brilliant team. You know, there was a bit Fellaini, Baines, Phil Neville, Osman. Yeah. But you look at the City bench. I mean, the starting eleven was was unbelievable. But on the bench, Edison, Diaz, Zinchenko, Gundogan, Rodri, Silva, Sterling, <laughs> yeah. Cancelo. You know, every single one of them. So in terms of the, it's, def- it's definitely the strongest bench ever to appear at one road. I say it's just the best squad, the best coach. You know, the best, the best, high, highest profile. I think it just took everything to a whole new level. Even though Cheltenham have been lucky to have, you know, Shearer at Newcastle playing at Cheltenham and. Over the years, some great players, some great names. Jeff Hurst played at Wadden Road. Or Jimmy Greaves has played at Wadden Road. But I think in terms of a modern-day giant of the game, it's never, you know, it's definitely took it to a new level for me. Yeah, it's interesting that sort of that mix of emotions that you had because ahead of the game, speaking to Mark Halliwell on Friday, he said that he, he obviously felt privileged, honoured to, to be going to the game. But then there was that sort of mix of guilt. Were you, sort of, were you texting people during the match, other Cheltenham fans? Because I guess you'll know people who have supported them even longer than you, who have supported them for decades before you were even born. Yeah, my phone nearly blew up during the game because it was just <laughs> I had an unbelievable amount of people that I haven't spoken to for donkey's years. Um, you know, Cheltenham was suddenly at the forefront of everybody's minds. That's probably the best thing about this whole experience of the FA Cup, even though there were no fans there, is the fact that the Cheltenham got talked about by people who would, probably wouldn't have even known they had a football club. And yeah, the pro, the, you know, great for Michael Duff and just great for the town. The way, the way they put, the way they staged the game, uh, it was obviously important. They gave a good, good account of themselves on the pitch as well. But I think the way they looked after City, who were classed throughout, you know, nothing prima donna or big time about Man City from what I've heard and seen. They mm. conducted themselves with absolute class. But I think Cheltenham come out with it with a lot of credit for the way they, the pitch, the the way they got the ground, gave it a bit of a facelift. It looked brilliant on the night. Um, I just think they can come out with it with a lot of pride. And it's, you know, prime time viewing on a Saturday evening as well. And we've, we've now had confirmation it was easily the biggest audience ever to watch the Charlton Town game. I think 4.5 million watched the Newcastle game on a, a lunchtime in 2006. So this yeah. one was quite significantly higher than that. So, uh, all, you know, all sorts of records broken as well. Do you know what it was, the, the number of viewers? Yeah, I think it was 5.8 million. I think it peaked out. Fantastic, um, wow. Yeah, so, you know, even if it had been 9-0, it would have been a great occasion. But the fact that Cheltenham actually gave them a major scare and, you know, for a long time, it looked like they were, they had a chance of winning the game, 22 minutes in front <laughs> and just made it, I think Michael Duff spoke about it at his press conference on Monday morning. He said that if City's chance in the first 15, 17 seconds had gone in, 
Mm. A few people might have thought, oh, this is going to be another one of those one-sided games and let's turn on to something else. But because it was quite an engrossing game and it was quite difficult for them to break Cheltenham down, I think a lot of people would have stuck with it just to see if Cheltenham could pull off the impossible, really. Yeah, 10% of people in pretty much in the country watching. I mean, it's amazing the figures for football generally. Obviously, it's terrestrial TV, it's BBC One, it's, it's prime time on a Saturday. It is, uh, it is phenomenal. Um, but actually, Sky, I mean, Sky figures, I think we've had some of the record Premier League games up 5 million for, for Manchester United, Liverpool. So it's amazing that people are at home and, and loving the football. But that awareness is, is key, isn't it? I've taken my daughter down to Wadden Road before, but she spotted one of those uh, brown football club signs as we were coming on the A40 the other day. And I said, yeah, that's Cheltenham Town. That's where we went, where we went to see a game. And I suppose some people don't know that they might see those brown signs occasionally, but not know where the football club is and not know anything about it. But that will be a big, you know, kind of awareness uh, happening for people, won't it? And hopefully that will then spread once the, the pandemic subsides and people can get back. Hopefully that will affect the crowds and maybe people will go and try it, try it out for themselves. Yeah, Michael said after the game that, you know, Cheltenham might have come out of the shadows of the race course for, for five minutes, but I don't really see, you know, I've never seen the race course as a rival for Cheltenham because it's very rare that they're on no. the same day, but it's just, it's just what Cheltenham's known for, isn't it? And it's, yeah, it, you know, and anything that can, can put the town on the map in, in a positive light has got to be great. And yeah, I think a lot anyone that saw the game who lives in Cheltenham that maybe haven't considered going to a game before will think, oh, it's quite a nice little nice little ground, look like a half decent team, got a manager that's on the up, might might go down and have a look when um, you know, appetite for football probably gonna be the live football I think is gonna be better than ever once things are safe enough to do so. I think yeah, hopefully a few more people will come and see what it's all about because it's it's quite a quite a nice little stadium as you know it's not you know it's not a bad place to watch football it's not 50 50 60 thousand but it's quite um it's quite a nice compact good atmosphere when there's a few in there especially under the floodlights so yeah lovely backdrop yeah all, all the all the national guys that i was chatting to in the stands you know that hadn't been before some of them had been but some of them you know everyone's always blown away by the view of the hill mm. that you, you've seen from from where you've sat at the back of the old main stand, this, this, there's not much better views than football than the Cleve Hill. And as the sun went down, there was a lovely light over the hill, mm. and they were they were all just gazing at it, you know, gazing at yeah. that, and then having a look down and seeing Raheem Sterling warming up. It was quite a you know, it's quite a <laughs> surreal moment, really. Yeah, one of one of England's best players just that down there. But it is it's incredibly picturesque scene, and it's my my daughter was actually facing me and just dancing in the aisle. I think last time I took her, but she certainly enjoyed it, and it, it stuck with her. I think it. It was other people. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think the race course is a, a big competitor, largely because as well, people come from far and wide to go to the race course. Don't they? I don't think it's your yeah. local fans, per se. Yeah, I think the r- rugby probably is a bit more of a, a rival because it's not, not just Gloucester, but there's, there's just a huge passion for rugby in the county yeah. in general. You know, huge amount of good level amateur clubs and thousands of people that will play and enjoy rugby and watch rugby. And obviously, Gloucester have got a big following. You've got um, Hartbury in, in the second tier. You've got Cinderford and Lydney are playing at a good level. Cheltenham, Cheltenham Tigers, Cheltenham Saracens, Cheltenham North. You know, there's there's probably more of a rivalry for jostling for fans with rugby than there is with uh, the race course. But yes, yeah, you know, Cheltenham, as we've spoken about before, I think the longer they can stay in the football league, have been in a give or, well apart from that one year when they got relegated and came straight, they've been in the football league since '99. So you've got to hope that the generations and gradually people start to take more people and hopefully have a bit a bit more success and get get up towards say three and a half to four rather than two and a half to three when when fans come back in that would make a huge difference to the club's chances of of competing maybe maybe even daring to sort of try and stabilize in league one 
You can't, you can't guarantee a fireworks display every time, though, can you? Where, where did that come from? Has anyone tracked it down? It was quite impressive. Someone must have spent, spent quite a bit of money on that. Yeah, the main talking point was how, how good it actually was. But I think it was, from what I could tell, it was just looked like it was in someone's uh, back garden on Wyman's Road. And, you know, it's perfectly yeah. legal to let fireworks off in your garden. So they probably just thought, try and get our firework display on national TV. It's not, not <laughs> ideal. It wasn't ideal timing for the players. But I think a couple of people commented on it that... Um, it's happened at other games recently, hasn't it? It seems to be a bit of a bit of a trend trying to, you know, trying to get a bit of attention. So, but why do they have to pause the game then? Just because the players get distracted? Is is that why? Or yeah, I think what once um, a couple of it looked like a couple were sort of starting to drift over the top of the stand, a bit of smoke, and maybe one firework sort of went towards. I think Josh Griffiths' goal. I think that's the ref- when the referee did the right thing and said, "Let's just pause it." I think it was about six minutes in the end, just before half time, and then they got going again so I don't think it it's probably good for Cheltenham because Duff could get a bit more you know a few more messages to the players and have a bit of a chat but they, they were doing particularly well at that point so yeah it's not like they they didn't need um, to be rescued from from constant pressure obviously they were defending but I thought as the half as the first half wore on Cheltenham actually looked like they could frustrate City mm. after that first chance after 15 minutes Josh Griffiths made a few good saves which I was really pleased for after his um Newport experience. He, he, yeah. he did really well. The character he shows to, to pull off the saves he did, that would have done him a lot of good. 19-year-old goalkeeper, isn't he? Yeah, 19. Uh, I think he's six foot six, six foot seven. He has he has made a couple of mistakes this season, but I think the sort of levers that he's got, you know, the physical attributes yeah. that he's got, the, the, the mentality that he's shown doesn't let mistakes affect him at all, comes back as if nothing's happened. That's going to really stand him in good stead. Looks good at one-on-ones as well, doesn't he? Which is key part of yeah. being a goalkeeper. I think he saved for Mahrez, didn't he? One, one-on-one. A mm. couple of other really good saves. Um, yeah, one one right, in the, right at the start. If that had gone in, it could have been around. Um, yeah, so I think he comes out with a lot of credit after what happened in the previous match. It's just an amazing aspect of football. I don't know whether you reflect upon it, watching Chorley the night before up against Wolves and, and really playing well, having a number of chances. And that's a team that's part-time, the... The, the head coach is actually the head of a primary school as well, the head teacher at a primary school. Um, and just thinking that football is such a leveller and it's why I think we find it so mesmerising and why it's so popular, isn't it? That you can have such depth, in, particularly in English football, and go down these tiers. And yes, th- there's an elite level, but actually the guys at, at, in the fourth tier of the League 2 can, can give them a good game. And I think Cheltenham for long periods will give them a good game and partly just by giving them different tactics than they were used to with the long throws and things like that. I think that's why football is fascinating. You mentioned rugby. I don't think you know, there's not that depth in rugby and you certainly couldn't have an elite team be threatened by a, a team of, say, the equivalent of Cheltenham stature. Yeah, I think that the, there's debates about what's the top league in Europe. You know, some people will say Premier League and they're probably right, but there's a debate about it. But I think what there isn't a debate about is that the, the depth of clubs in England is better than any other club, uh, any other country. And I think the, the mm. domestic cup is probably has always been the best of the domestic cups. I think the FA Cup's far more prestigious and taken more seriously than any of the other domestic yeah. cups around Europe. So hopefully that will, will stay the case. You know, I, I think it is. And Pep said all the right things in the build-up. You know, he he spoke about how important it is to have, you know, play, where, players, where players come from. You know, they come from... So Alfie May has gone from being a builder and playing for non-league teams in Kent <laughs> playing, playing for, to playing for Cheltenham. And some of the... Obviously, we've seen some of the lads... Um, yeah. start off in lower leagues and end up playing for England and, and lower and uh, Premier League teams and so he you know Pep was brilliant and stuff he said in, in the build-up so, so certainly pe- doesn't people might come in for May might, yeah people might come in for May mightn't they off the back of that performance because he looked he looked very lively yeah I think 
every every single Cheltenham player came out with credit, but I think the ones if I had to pick out a few it would be Griffiths in goal, Tozer. Yeah, uh, I thought Free Freestone, considering he he wasn't supposed to be playing until Ellis Chapman got injured, uh, and Hussey obviously injured as well. Who you spoke to last week? I think, yeah, I think. Freestone missed the Newport game with a toe injury. So to come back in at left wing back, which again, it probably isn't even his best position. I think he's more of a left side centre half. To come in and play the way he did against, um, well, you could just call it left of a, of a back five because he didn't get yeah. forward much. But he did, no. he did a brilliant job on Mares. So I think, and then obviously May. I think Lloyd worked, worked incredibly hard, but May just May just looked like he caused him a little problem every now and then. Got the first shot away that led to a corner with that shot at the near post. And then obviously yeah. the, the, dream, the dream moment. Um, you can tell how much it meant to Alfie. I think he was quite emotional after the game. Yeah, um, really quick over five yards, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, he's a live wire. He, he tries things. He's sometimes he'll give it away, but he, he's always he's, he's very inventive. He'll try little flicks and tricks and show that he can finish quite quick, like you said, quick over a short distance. And if you look at his, you know, he's been at Cheltenham just over a year. He's been pretty, you know, scored consistently. He's had a little bit of a an issue with the playoffs where he had the little boy, his little little boy Arthur was born and I think he was preparing to get married. I don't think he thought the playoffs were going to go ahead and yeah. he's, he's spoken about it before he came back for the playoffs in not great shape. But when, he, when, he's, when, he's, on, when he's at it and he's sharp, he, you know, he's, he's a really good League Two player. Yeah, he certainly is. And part of the, the sort of, I guess, fascination with English football is the fluidity of it as well because now they've got Oldham Athletic coming up, which is, a, you know, people would say a, a, two humble clubs going head to head. But you and I remember... Oldham being in FA Cup semi-finals, being in the Premier League in, in our youth as well. So it's, that's an, it's sort of an interesting aspect in English football, isn't it? The, the, the fact that you do see clubs go up and down the pyramid. Not that often, but it does happen. Yeah, I, m- I remember the Joe Royal team on the plastic pitch. And yeah. obviously, they, I think they were in either the first or second season of the Premier League, weren't they? They're in there. Um, yes. But Pep, obviously, is one of the best, if not the best in the world. And was an exceptional player. Harry Kuehl wasn't a bad player either, was he? So, he's, no. you know, it's quite interesting. He's going to be coming with, with Oldham and he's done, a, he's done, he's turned them around there because at the start of the season, people seem to think they were almost dead certs for relegation. They've, yeah. um, their away form in particular is, um, you know, they climbed up the table. They, they beat Cheltenham at home and they're, they're really dangerous away. So, yeah, I think Oldham, Bradford, Bolton, you know, there's a few big, big ex-Premier League clubs in League Two and I think it is, you get, teams that go the other way don't you like Bournemouth had that spell in the Premier League yeah. nobody would have, would have thought that Burnley have established themselves in the Premier League and I know they're traditionally a lot bigger club than Bournemouth but they Wigan have got in there Powell, stayed yeah. in there Wigan yeah Swindon yeah, Barnsley yeah. are in there Swindon yeah, yeah. Blackpool it's, it's, yeah. That's, I, I love that when you, I find it fascinating when, a, when you see those different levels testing themselves against each other either non-league against football league or lower league against Premier League I just I always find it fascinating what makes the difference between Harry Mahrez can be made to look so ordinary by Lewis Freestone, um, but obviously nine <laughs> times out of ten he can, he can produce the goods. Yeah. What what is it that makes that that difference between somebody that's cost sixty million and somebody that's just been picked up on a free transfer? Yeah. The beauty of football is it's so low scoring in general that if you nick one, like we always said, that you've got a chance if you can if you can keep it out and look for a long time. Were you were you dreaming then? Were you thinking it was uh, well Swansea in the next round? Isn't it would have been. Yeah, I think when when Gundogan and Diaz came on, that's when I started thinking. Right, we've worried them there. You know, mm-hmm. that Pep, Pep's had to take evasive action here. But it was re- another really interesting thing was at two one. Obviously, Cheltenham had to at least show a little bit of of, of ambition to try and get an equaliser. And as soon as they tried to change the the discipline shape that they'd had for the rest of the game, City just kept the ball for Picked fun it, yeah. and then scored scored the third. You know, Michael spoken about it. They, if they'd tried that from the start, it would it would have probably been a, a lot tougher all round but I think the way they set up was 
absolutely spot on. It just shows you what you can do if you're if you're organised, hardworking, a little bit of luck as well, because City did have chances, but I think they they really did make life difficult for them. Yeah. Uh, but once the once the equaliser went in, that's when my I don't know whether I was just being pessimistic, but as soon as the equaliser <laughs> went in, I thought that there's no chance now. They're tired. For those, well, those tired, twenty-two tired, minutes, yeah. yeah. For those twenty-two minutes, I did think it was it was possible because they they looked like they were starting to run out of ideas a little bit, and they they looked like they were getting frustrated. As you said, Pep was getting frustrated on the touchline. Mm. Uh, Gabriel Jesus seemed to be getting, you know, seemed to be looking a bit, feeling a bit sorry for himself. He scored in the end, but he missed a couple of chances, and I thought it's not been his night tonight. And I just thought, could this be? You know, could this happen? And it would have been one, probably yeah. one of the all-time great, great upsets. But I, I think, think it, yeah, they come out with a huge amount of credit. Yeah, I think everyone enjoyed it. Everyone was texting me. Actually, J- Jason Briggs, who runs uh, Bang Olufsen Shelton, was texting me and, and showed me the, the banner. He, he obviously sponsors the podcast as well, but he had the big banner behind Gary Lineker. So he was very chuffed at the halftime analysis and stuff that the, the Bang Olufsen Shelton logo was there. And I'm sure a lot of local, local business people were happy with yeah. the banners being out with, with that in mind. Um, but it, I suppose the key now is Michael Duff has said, hasn't he? That I think you, you, you kind of wrote a story about this. That the bigger game really in football terms is, is Oldham because it, it's not been a bad run per se, has it? Because they've not been lost. They've not lost many games. But is it five draws in seven and seven without a win? Yeah, that's right. So they've drawn before City. They've drawn five in a row. So they lost two in a row for the first time in ages, and then they've drawn a few. But when you look at Charlton's FA Cup runs over the years, they they got to to the fourth round, fifth round in 0-1-0-2, beat Burnley in the fourth round, and lost to West Brom. They went up that year um, in the playoffs uh, under Steve Cottrell. Two thousand and five six, they got to the fourth round, played Newcastle at home. Uh, went up that year under John Ward via the playoffs. So the two times they got to the third round recently and played Tottenham and Everton, they got to the playoffs and lost. But it mm. does, there does seem to be a correlation with Cheltenham having a good FA Cup run and either getting promoted or coming close. So Duff, what's happened over the last few days has been absolutely brilliant for Duff because he came across so well in all his interviews, yeah. handled himself brilliantly. He's been able to pick the brain of Pep. He's seen, you know, he's seen what, what's there for the taking because I'm convinced he will work at a higher level. Yeah, I think the next thing he will need to he want to get on his CV now is because he's ticked a lot of boxes already, but he just needs to get that first promotion on his CV, and I think he will see a huge opportunity. It's very tight at the top. I think Charlton have dropped to seventh ahead of Tuesday's game, but it's so tight. They've got a couple yeah. of games in hand on some of the teams above them, and it's it's all bunched up. It's for, for yeah, a big through win, the season. They? Yeah, yeah, that was a good result for them at Orient. Yeah, they've they've um, and obviously the huge derby game coming up at the weekend, which people have. Obviously, people are looking forward to it because of the City game. It's been a little bit put to one side, but it's it's a huge week with Oldham at home and Forest Green away for Cheltenham. It's going to be uh, down in Nailsworth, yeah, 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 down in Nailsworth on Saturday. So, nice. you know, any other time that would have been the the focus for a few weeks because of the City game it might might have helped in a way. But I think Duff definitely will have got them back on the minds on the job this morning when they reported for duty ahead of the uh, the Oldham game. Yeah, it's interesting the day that Frank Lampard got sacked actually with Michael Duff so potentially going to manage at a high level. I suppose it's just the key of, of when he leaves and, and where he goes, isn't it? But you get the sense with him that he's quite savvy about, about the type of club that he'll go to. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed your, your chat with Shane and uh, Shane Duff a couple of weeks ago. And that, mm. I think whatever the, the Duff family um, put their mind to, whether it's property developing, playing football or, or management, I think they, they've got an unbelievable work ethic and they're also very, very good at what they do. I think they... They find a way, you know. Michael mm. found a way to get to the Premier League at 31. Um, yeah, he, he found he found a way despite all the knockbacks he had, and it, it wasn't just down to him being an unbelievably talented player. He, he had to work and work and work and get there. And I, I just, you need that little bit of luck. But the way that he he's got that relationship with Sean Dyche, he's got 
you know, everybody that he seems to have come across in when he played at a higher level seems to speak highly of him. And, you know, he's got a lot of influential contacts in the game. Um, and I just, yeah, I just think he's, he's got a really good opportunity if he has that bit of luck um, yeah. to go up and have a really good career as a manager as he, as he did as a player. Yeah, very disciplined. And very, you get the sense of very important on culture and how he treats people pretty, you know, universally the same and, and expects high standards, but doesn't sort of have favourites and things, which I think is key is in the man management side of it. But John, I appreciate you coming along. Enjoy the Oldham game and hopefully speak to you again in the future, my friend. Brilliant. Cheers, Ed. Good to speak to you. Thanks. Cheers, John. Love the fact that John does such a meticulous, professional, objective job, but clearly such a Cheltenham Town fan at heart, going back to his boyhood days, seeing them rise through non-league to the Football League. And on the cusp, he said, is the most historic, most high-profile match, which I suppose is a way to put it, because they've got a game against Oldham Athletic tonight in League Two, looking to kickstart, reignite their push for promotion to League One, which would be the third tier of English football, the third level. Um, but I think just in terms of the prestige, it was a big one. The performance was so good as well. The solidarity, the unity, the, the way they stayed to a, a game plan. And when they had their opportunity, took it and, and scared Manchester City, ruffled their feathers at, at times in the game as well. So great to get John Palmer's thoughts. Good that he's had a good night's sleep on Sunday, at least. He's got back into his routine after staying up all night after the match Saturday evening, UK time. Uh, thank you to him. Really appreciate that. Thank you to you for listening to the podcast if you could rate it on itunes be fantastic spread the word as well uh, contact me on social media if you like ed draper 81 on twitter ed underscore draper 81 on instagram as i said as i mentioned again in the podcast jason briggs happy to see his bang olufsen of cheltenham banner out in full force uh, black background with the, the white writing you can probably look back if you watch the game you've got it taped like john you can see it there behind gary lineker's head in the halftime analysis or maybe pre-match as well so uh, in terms of getting in touch with B&O, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations, head to Bang Olufsen Cheltenham's website or B&O Cheltenham on Twitter and Instagram. Got some cool videos on Instagram if you want to be prompted about any home entertainment stuff, particularly if you're tethered to your home desk, want some a good music system, whatever it may be, worth getting in touch with Jason Briggs and his team. And remember... As we all have immunity on our minds, staving off COVID-19 potentially, but also the regular seasonal cough, coughs and colds in the Northern Hemisphere, particularly in the UK. Another dark day today. It was lovely yesterday, cold and sunny, but but dreary today. Uh, vitamin D, vitamin D is a big part of uh, health at the moment we're concerned about in relation to COVID-19, staving that off, but also just generally in terms of optimising immunity. And that is part of the immune complete range, the vitamin D3 is a part of that, the Immune Complete 2, Immune Complete 1, uh, whatever you are. But if you head to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, you can have a 10% discount ongoing, but I believe 30% off your initial purchase. So maybe I'll be getting a range of supplements if you want to maximize that. If you go to cytoplan.co.uk, the code is DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one zero and then the capital letter R. Thank you for listening to the podcast, guys. Really appreciate it. Let me know what you think. If you have any reviews on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, I think there are 12, including Spotify as well. Now that Joe Rogan's made that fashionable for podcasts, glad I'm there. Uh, but yeah, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Hope this, uh, enjoy, well, I don't know, hope this in some way entertained you. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're a Cheltenham Town fan, 
maybe next year. But what a glorious night it was for the club. Goodbye for now.